prepared for us, that it doesn't come from Him. It comes from You ultimately, Lord. And I just thank You for the encouragement that You give us by taking us deeper than we could ever imagine to wander, knowing that our faith will be made stronger in Your presence. And I pray as we continue that hearts will be touched and more importantly, that lives will be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's your homework. Um, first, let me tell you the directions. Um, what form take away five? One, two, three, four, five, six. Take away. What six take away one? One. No, you take away. So you take away one out of six. How much does it equal? What? Five, ten, minus one. I don't know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Nope. Take away one. What's this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nope. One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And eight, and one more. And add one more. How many equal? One. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One. It makes nine. See how you take away? You take away one, and it equals... One. <laughs> mhm. Do you get it now? <laughs> yes. Oh, now, what what is what is odd about that? Everything, right? Number one, come on, really? Ten minus one? It's eleven. Everybody knows that. They're adults with kids' voices, right? It's not right. And, and what we're going to talk about today is, as we begin this series in, entitled Growing Up, is it's, it's time to grow. Now, as we were thinking about titles for the sermon series, one of the, the options was Grow Up. And as I thought about that, yeah, that would kind of de- describe it somewhat, but, but Grow Up kind of sounds like this, right? Grow Up, would you? Grow Up. But, but the series is growing up, because we're all on a journey, and we all are still growing up. I don't care how old you are in the room today, you are still in process. You are still growing up, and sometimes we forget. Sometimes we revert back to our childhood attitudes and our childhood things with adult bodies, right? And we sort of look like what was happening here on the screen. Um, now... This this uh, this schoolhouse. It could be well. It looks sort of prairie 
Um, Little House on the Prairie-ish, doesn't it? I mean, it, because they had a schoolhouse and a church. The church was the schoolhouse. The schoolhouse was the church. I don't know which was which, but um, anyway, um, that's kind of that picture. And do you remember uh, growing up having a Fisher-Price schoolhouse to play with? Or maybe as parents, do you still have that? Dick, do you still have that? Ruthie, do you have that? I should have called you this week. I called Dad and couldn't find it. It looks like this right here. It looks like this right here. Yeah, there it is. Anybody ever play with that? Raise your hand. Anybody ever have that in your house? Yeah, you still have one too? I love that thing. Um, we would all, you know, us kids, Rachel and Kari and Rod and I, growing up, we would play with this ours. There's letters in there. You could take that tray out. They're magnetic. You could stick them on the side of the schoolhouse. There's uh, this bottom piece was a chalkboard. You could write on it. There's the little people. They're not weebles because weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. These will actually fall down um, because they're flat on the bottom. Uh, But, you know, there's that schoolhouse. Now, what was the purpose? It wasn't just solely entertainment, right? That's not why we bought these things for our children or why we buy toys at early ages. Why else would we have bought this for our kids? To teach them, to to help them grow up, to help them learn things, right? Not just strictly for entertainment or just to, you know, pass the time of the day when we want them out of our hair for an hour, right? Um, So so there's that. Um, There's also, let's see, what's next? Oh, puppies. Puppies are something that grow up, right? Um, This is is our puppy, and uh, I'm sort of disappointed in the picture, but... um, He's growing up. You know, who doesn't want their puppy to grow up? Raise your hand. Wait, you don't want your puppy... I get it, right? They're cute. But do you want them peeing and that other stuff in the house all the time? No! You want them to mature. You want them to grow up and learn things. You know, like come when you call, which he hasn't figured out yet. I don't get it. He's sitting on the end of the bed last night. I'm going, come here, come here, come here. He just sits there and looks at me. Why would I want to do that? I'm thinking, because I'm going to scratch you, right? He doesn't get it. He hasn't figured it out yet. He's still got some growing up to do. Or he doesn't have the mental capacity for it. I don't know which it is. I'm guessing it's the poodle that's in him. But they say poodles are really smart, so he missed out on that smart gene, I guess. Um, and, and as humans, right? We want our babies who are born can't do anything for themselves. Nothing. They can't feed themselves. They can't... Wow, look at that little baby. Isn't he just adorable? That's my grandson, by the way. For those of you who don't know, that's Asher and my daughter Cassandra. Um, We want them and we teach them and we train them to grow up so that they can be kids like this, right? Yes! I forgot to show that at first service. So, um, yeah, we want our kids to to grow up and to move out and to not move back. Correct? Correct? Into the basement. That's the purpose of a parent, is to teach and train, discipline, disciple their children so that they one day can go on and be an adult, be mature enough to make decisions on their own and to have kids and to know what to do, uh, how to raise their own children, that sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's just a part of who we are, right? We know that everything in life, right, grows up. Everything in life, uh, one of its purposes is to grow. We were created to grow. Um, Life was created to grow. 
as we observe nature, human life, and what a gift it is, as humans, we were created to grow. And, and here's a really special thing about human beings. Um, if we look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. See, we have the very breath of God in us. What an amazing gift that is. What created in him, not only created in him in his image, but given his breath to live life and to grow up. You know, we're we're told in Genesis, they're told um, to to go and prosper, to to be fruitful and multiply, right? Which the Anderson family has done a pretty good job at, I think, if you look at our family tree over the, the last decades. So point number one in your notes this morning as it comes to this, it's time to grow, is God has created us to grow. We're to grow in numbers as parents. We saw last week that we're to be very intentional as we help our children grow. Up in the Lord teaching, living before them as an example. We, as human beings, have been given the capacity by God to grow, to, to be mature, to mature in life. We've been created with it. God has given us the capacity for wisdom. You see, this growth, um, oftentimes, and I think our kids sometimes fall into this when they go to school and maybe even college, it's like, man, how much more information can I take in? How much more information can I memorize? What, what I'm talking about, and when we're talking in this series about growing up in the Lord, we're not talking about just gaining more information. The, the growth really occurs when that information that we have already goes from our heads to our hearts, and then as we live our life throughout the week, to our feet and the actions that we take and the decisions that we make. And that's a process, and sometimes it's a very difficult process, and sometimes, like our children in school, we go through that process kicking and screaming. But Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord, the respect of the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. It's not just the knowledge, it's the use of that knowledge in making wise decisions, as doing wise things. That's, that's where the growth occurs. So we have been created to grow. Number two, God wants us to grow. Not only have we been created for that, but, but it's something that God wants us to do. God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in our worship to the Lord. He wants us to grow in our humility, in our surrender to Christ, in our commitment to Him. The Bible says that we're to grow in our love and our faith and our hope. And, and when I think about growing, I think it, you know, it's, it's really the hard and difficult things in life that, that create that growth in us, isn't it? I mean, when, when, when we're on easy street and we don't have any stress in our life and there isn't anything to worry about or to work hard at and, and it's sort of just kind of smooth and we're just coasting along, that's what we do, isn't it? We coast. We sort of, we don't give God the time of day because we've got this handled. I mean, well, Lord, you know, be ready when I need you and when I stumble or fall on my face, I'll, I'll call out to you and you can come help me. And, and we get in that mode. But this 
difficult thing, this stretching, it's true of our physical bodies, right? I mean, um, when, when we work out, when we lift weights, when we run, when we condition, um, especially when we first begin doing that, our body aches. It hurts, right? Why does it do that? Because when we put our muscles under strain and stretch and we work them, they create this chemical. And, and it's that working and it's that stretching that we, the, we put our muscles through that actually causes them to grow and to strengthen. And when you and I go through a difficult time, and, and, and maybe there was just incredible trust, maybe there wasn't, maybe it was a growing time in that trust of the Lord through that time, when we get to the other side and we recognize that He was with us, we... we we have grown some. The next time we experience something similar, we go, you know what? I've learned. I've grown. I've matured in, in my trust of God. He had me then. He's, he's got me now. It's also true that if our physical bodies are going to be healthy, we can't just feed them a diet, steady diet of one thing. And Paul uses this illustration uh, in, in one of his letters in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 he says brothers I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly mere infants in Christ he says I gave you milk not solid food for you were not ready for it indeed you are still not ready for it so when we when we first come to Christ when we first come to faith um, really spirituality and our relationship with Christ is, is, is on an infant level and, and we are given milk as, as a food, as, as sustenance in that relationship, just like we would a baby. But as a baby grows, we, we, they get to a point where it's no longer healthy for them just to drink milk. They have to graduate or we, we move them on to more solid things and we do that gradually and I... 100% believe the Lord does that in our lives, in our, our emotional, our spiritual lives as well. He takes us from where we are infants in our relationship with Him, where we're just drinking a, a diet of milk, and He begins to move us, and He begins to mold us, and He begins to shape us, and He begins to put us under some pressure, and He begins to allow some things in our life that are difficult so that He may teach us something. But the Corinthians, and all throughout the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul is, is challenging those in Corinth because of their immaturity. He, he's, he's literally saying, you guys have got to grow up. You guys have got to mature. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready for it. You are still worldly, Paul says, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men, like men without Christ? Are you not acting like the pagans? They still have some growing up to do, and Paul and the Lord are not willing to just let them stay where they're at. Just It's fine. Just keep, keep drinking the milk. You know, no, he's not fine with that. He wants them to grow. And when we first surrender our lives to Jesus, we are that. We are infants. But if we stay there, if we stay in that place where we are only taking in milk, we live our lives in an immature way. We do not experience life at its fullest. Like an adult who behaves like a middle school child. 
You know, as a middle schooler, well, even as a high schooler, well, even as a young adult, I was pretty selfish. Only thought of myself. And, and you know, I, it, it, and, and there are still times where I have tunnel vision and I don't see anything that's going on out here, only what's before me. A perfect example of this would be a couple days ago. I was having a conversation with my wife and a couple people and they were commenting on her Wyoming Cowboys t-shirt that she wore the day before. I'm trying to grasp what shirt she had on and I ain't getting it. I still don't know what shirt they were talking about. She wore it for a whole day. But I had, I, had a, I mean, and she realizes that I'm not that observant about certain things. But, but I was so wrapped up in what was going on around me that I didn't notice what was going around in the lives of other people. And, and I don't want to stay that way. I want to grow. I want, I, want to, I, I want to mature. I don't want to, you know, go on a rant on Facebook about something in a very childish way and later the day after regret that because I was acting like an immature child. I mean, that, that's... We do that. We, we do that. And, and as we submit ourselves to our Lord and Savior... He coaches and teaches us out of that so that when we have the opportunity to do that, we choose not to. We say, you know what? That's not a good thing to do. I'm not going to do it. And we stretch and we strain our spiritual muscles. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. Paul likens it to a race. He says, Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly, I do not fight like a man beating the air, not getting anything done. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I am disciplining my body, Paul says. I am disciplining myself to make good decisions so that when I'm living my life and when I'm preaching, I don't turn around and everybody says, yeah, well, you said this, but then you acted like this. And that is a sign of maturity. It's a sign of growth. Are we all going to arrive there tomorrow or today? No. In fact, and this is really discouraging and disappointing to me, on this side of eternity, we never arrive. We are constantly in a state of growth and, and maturing. No matter how old we are. We never arrive. Dick, would you say that you had arrived in your faith um, before you had your heart attack? Would you say that you're still learning and you're still growing today? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's difficult, hard things in our life, sometimes hurtful, unknown things, mysterious things. Uh, you know, Dick in the hospital, he's like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. I don't know if I'm going to live or not. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I, you know what, Dick? Your family's glad that you're here for a, a longer period of time. Yes. Yes. And you had that assurance. And... <laughs> We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's that, it's that struggle between I want to be here and I don't want to be here. 
I want to be here because there's people here that I love and that love me, and, and I want to be in heaven with the Lord. And, it's this, and, and to me, if we are in the midst of that wrestling, then that, to me that's a sign that, that we have grown up, that, that we are growing. And, and the fact that Dick continues at this age with his experiences of life would still say, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, to me proves that we will never arrive. And to me, for a farmer who like to get something done and see it done and go, ah, yes, right? It's done. I have arrived. I, somebody said this to me last week. He's like, let me show you a passage in Scripture. And he showed me this passage that says that it's in Ephesians. Um, where Paul is talking about there are those who are given as teachers and preachers, and he goes on through this list and he says that, that he talks about the equipping of the saints and that it's a constant thing that we do. I just read that and I went, oh, I want to arrive. I want to get there. But, but we won't. And we need to recognize that and we need to live our life that way so that we are constantly willing to learn. We're constantly willing to grow. We're constantly submitting ourselves to Him. You know, Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27 about discipline. He's disciplining himself. And it does take work. Over five dozen passages in the Bible of just a simple search that I could do encourages or commands us to take steps of growth in our life. Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 19, Paul says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's just not knowing this love. It's love that surpasses the knowledge of the love that we know. It's this faith and being rooted and established in love, Paul says. There's rooted and established. There's faith and there's trust. Faith is believing in something that you don't always see. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Believing, faith is believing what I can't see. Believing that God is who He says He is. That, the, that God is who the Bible reveals Him to be. I don't see it. I don't touch it. I don't feel it tangibly. But I believe it because I trust in the Word of God. The natural world, all its splendor reveals who He is. Who he is. History has shown that, that He is who He says He is. And I have the faith in all of that. That it's true. That He was the Messiah. The Son of God. That he was crucified and that he was raised again. I have faith in what I cannot see. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the milk in my life. I, I don't know. And the meat, the maturity and the growth is when I'm in the midst of difficult things and I take the things that I know in my head and I apply them today and I trust. Even though it doesn't feel like I should. I trust. I, I put my entire my entire life in His hands. I don't shake my fist at God and say, you, you must hate me. Why did you leave me here high and dry? Why would you even let me experience this? But I know, I've read it, He is faithful. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And I hold on to that and I trust that. And I take a step forward in that. 
You know, if God if God taught all of us every lesson in life in one day, we would crumble under the pressure. But he takes us little by little, day by day, as we grow older, physically, mentally, and spiritually. What a great creator we have. Trust is not being anxious about things. It's continuing to do what God has called me to do and being what he is forming me to be. With the assurance that he's there no matter what it feels like. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, Paul says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. There, there comes a point in our process of growth in life where we say, you know what? That is kind of childish to think that way. That is kind of childish to reason that way. And I'm not going to think that way. There was a father, a young father had a little boy. The boy was probably three and he was, he was going to go into his room and put him to bed and the little boy's standing there in the middle of his room holding his teddy bear and he's looking at his bed and the door's behind him and dad opens the door and dad just gets ready to turn the light off. And just as dad flips the light off, his son drops his teddy bear on the floor. And his son pauses and he looks at the light and he looks at his teddy bear and he looks at the light and he looks at his teddy bear and he picks his teddy bear up and he drops it again. And as he drops his teddy bear, his dad flips the light back on. And he looks at his teddy bear and he looks at the light and he looks at his teddy bear and he, looks at and he picks his teddy bear up. He drops it again and his dad turns the light off. Well, that's kind of a childish thing, right? I mean, he literally, the boy was thinking, wow, this is cool. I can drop my teddy bear and I can control the light switch with it. Well, that's not reasonable but but as children it's like when a child covers his eyes right and thinks you can't see him that's an immature thing but now we would never condemn or ridicule a child for thinking that way because they got a lot of growing up to do and it's the same way in our spiritual life really it is god knows that we're we're young in him god knows but he also knows that we, we need to grow. And, and He wants us to. And He's going to do what He can to cause us to grow. A few weeks ago, my neighbor was in his shop working on his table saw and it was at night and I was standing at the doorway and he didn't see me standing at the doorway and I didn't want to do something really scary, you know, cut a finger off or something. Didn't want him to do that. So he goes to turn the table saw off and I turn the light off. Now, right, any reasonable person wouldn't think that, the, well, electricity there could be. And he sort of looked around like, whoa, how did that happen? You know, I just happened to, you ever have that experience? You do something and something else happens and then you try to connect the two. But a reasonable, often mature adult who's had experience of life would say, there's no way those two things are connected. They, didn't, they just happened at the same time. It wasn't cause and effect. God teaches us. God grows us up in that way. So we are not only created to grow, but God wants us to grow. And then point number three in your notes this morning is Jesus Christ empowers us to grow. This is the key to the whole thing. This has got to be central. I mean, I mean, Christ in us. Christ in us. 
Turn to John chapter 15, please. John 15, New Testament. Fourth Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 15. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab one from under the seat in front of you. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. John 15, beginning in 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, Jesus said, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and whether such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and, I, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, have you ever had a garden? Have you ever had a garden? I love gardens. I haven't had one in years. I had one once. And maybe even only one garden. I love rototilling you know, to run a machine, get it all stirred up, get, get, get your rows straight and you plant the seeds and you make a furrow next to them and then you irrigate or you water them, put a sprinkler out there, turn it on once a day. And then, and then you know, two, three months later you reap the fruits of that garden, right? Mm, probably not. Not if that's all you do. Because what happens in a garden when you plant it and you water it and you fertilize it? Huh? Yeah! Where do they even come from? Right? So those weeds come up and they grow like crazy, right? Red root pigweed, kochia, those are the big ones. They take up a lot of space and they suck up a lot of water. And what do they do to the plants? They choke them out. They take over their space. Which is why, which is what happens in our lives, in our spiritual lives, when we just sort of leave it up to chance and we don't intentionally every day cultivate the soil of our souls to continue to be soils that could produce fruit. I, you know, meditate on this passage this week because this is where our source of life comes from, is Jesus Christ. It's being connected to Him. It's being connected to the vine. God, the Father, is the gardener. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and we are attached to that true vine. And when we disconnect ourselves, because we're too busy or because of other things in our life, which we can. I mean, isn't it possible in our, our life today to go a day or two or three and not have opened your Bible and maybe not even have had a conversation with God about anything? Life's just going great and there's, it just doesn't seem to be a reason to. I mean, 
if that happened in my relationship with my wife, you know, things are going great, we're getting along, and I don't talk to her, things are not going to be going great, and then we're not going to be getting along before long, because there has to be that connection, that communication. And in our relationship with... Paul relates our relationship with Christ to a marriage relationship time and time again. It's right there for us to see. So weeds. There are weeds that hinder our growth. And I'm going to go through these last couple things here as we close this morning. Weeds that hinder our growth. The first one I'm calling inattention. Inattention. If... if if I don't even know how to say this. If we're committing inattention, if, if we're inattentive to our relationship with Christ, weeds are going to grow. We're going to create distance and space. Whether it's a friend or a spouse or a child, that's what happens in a relationship when, when we aren't intentionally engaged in interacting with that other person. Maybe you're here this morning and, and I talk about several days without, without having opened your Bibles. And if you're honest, you will admit, yeah, you know what, it has been. Or maybe, maybe, if, maybe you know, you haven't had a conversation with, with God. You know, it's, it's sort of like a prayer at breakfast and then that's the, only, that's the only conversation you have with God in a day. Well, I think there's three things that, that, that you need to think about doing. Because when we operate in our relationship with Christ in that way, there is distance that's created. We stop hearing His voice. We stop listening for it. So we need to take action. The first thing is to take action. Is that what I have? Okay, good. The first thing we need to do is we need to take action. You, you need to head this off today. Um, some of this inattention can be headed off by getting into the Bible on a daily basis, by reading the truth, by having it there, by focusing on it, by thinking about it. Yeah, it's right there in your head, but as you go through the process of your day, not only is it there in your head, but you're thinking about it as you're making decisions, as you're taking those steps, as you're teaching your kids, as you're interacting with your husband or your wife. And we need to be reminded of the truth of Scripture. We need to be reminded of the fact that Jesus Christ died for us. That's why Jesus gave us the communion table. As a reminder, because He knows that we're humans and we forget and we need a, a, a reminder. Prayer is another way. Speaking is... I mean, you'll say, alright, today I make the commitment. I'm going to pray for ten minutes every morning for the rest of my life. And before long, you know, you get up late or... You know, I don't know, you recognize that you didn't turn your clock back an hour or something. I don't know. Um, and, and you end up going through a day without having fulfilled that commitment. And then you start getting this voice that says, see, you're, you're, just, you're just immature. And my response to that would be, yeah, I am. But I'm willing to grow. And this is an area I've committed to grow in and I'm, I want to grow. And I resubmit and I resurrender that. I think the lack of conversation with our Heavenly Father opens us up for weeds. It really opens our life up for weeds. And then there are other spiritual disciplines. Fasting, confession, worship, Sabbath, thanksgiving, giving of our tithes and our offerings. And, and the list really does go on. Ways in which we engage 
in only how we can as the human aspect of this relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior, and interact with Him. And our faith and our trust grows. And then that inattention creates a vulnerability in us for sin. For sin. Sin is a weed that hinders growth. It's like an ivy that drags and chokes everything out. If you have ivy around your place, you know what it's like. If you give it even a small place, at the end of the summer, it has taken over everything. It's covered the fence. It's covered the neighbor's fence. It's covered the really pretty bush that you're trying to grow in the, you know, on the back trellis, and it covers it, and it, it finds that opening where you have the window air conditioner in the house, and it climbs its way up through those two windows and inside the house. That's what happens when you don't pay attention to ivy. At least my ivy. And, and it's got to be pruned. It's got to be cut. It's got to be cut back. And, and with ivy thrown into the fire. Sin. Sin. If there is something in your life that you are a decision that you've made, a lifestyle that you're living that you know is against God's commands. You've got to repent of it today. You've got to give it to Him. You've got to stop. Because the longer you let that be in your life, the more weeds and space it creates for other things to come alongside of it. For you to justify and say, well, you know what, I guess it's probably okay. God hasn't killed me for this one. We sung a song at uh, Valley Christian School it's a version of Jesus loves me and it says Jesus loves me this I know Oh boy Okay here this is the verse Jesus loves me when I'm good when I do the things I should Jesus loves me when I'm bad though it makes him very sad Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, that's true. He's not going to say, I hate you, you're no longer my child when we mess up. Now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus paid for that sin. But if that sin, you are allowing that sin to exist in your life, you need to repent of it. And you need to ask Him for the strength to stop. And as I mentioned at first service, there are some things that we just can't do on our own. In fact, James says in chapter 5, verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's sin that we need healed of and there's sin that we can't conquer on our own. One particular sin I think of in our culture today is pornography. You can think that you're going to get away from that. You can say no to that. You can walk away from that. And before long, a week or two weeks or a month later, it's got you right back where it had you before. And the best thing to do with a sin like that is not only to confess it to those near you, but to confess it with somebody who can take you through a process empowered by the Holy Spirit to conquer that in your life. But if, you're, if that's there, you've got to You've got to say no to it. You've got to be intentional about that today. Let's not live with weeds in our life. Scott Peck, M. Scott Peck in his book, The Road Less Traveled, 
says, I spent much of my ninth summer on a bicycle. About a mile from our house, the road went down a steep hill and turned sharply at the bottom. Coasting down the hill one morning, I felt my gathering speed to be ecstatic, he said. To give up this ecstasy by applying brakes seemed an absurd self-punishment. So I resolved to simultaneously retain my speed and negotiate the corner. My ecstasy ended seconds later when I was propelled a dozen feet off the road into the woods. I was badly scratched and bleeding and the front wheel of my new bike was twisted beyond use from its impact against a tree. I had been unwilling to suffer the pain of giving up my ecstatic speed in the interest of maintaining my balance around the corner. I learned, however, that the loss of balance is ultimately more painful than the giving up required to maintain balance. It is a lesson I have continually had to relearn, as must everyone, for as we negotiate the curves and corners of our lives, we must continually give up parts of ourselves. There are things that we need to say no to that are weeds in our life. Sin. And it has to be on intention your part now I said at the beginning that it's not just knowledge it's application it's it's seeing that those things that we know become an actual part of our life as we live every day like for me it's like um, preparing a sermon and recognizing that it's not me that convinces you of what's true here it's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life as you hear what God has put in my heart to speak on a Sunday morning I don't know how many times I've fretted and, and worried and feared and been anxious over the preparation of a sermon. I mean, uh, and, and trust me, Sundays roll around at an alarming rate of regularity. And, and there are times like this morning, like every two hours, actually it was every hour from about two till about five, I was awake thinking about it. And, and it's usually because of this overwhelming sense of performance and not just trusting that the Lord is going to work through me in your lives. And that's an area I've got to grow up in. Because it ain't, it ain't me. I, I do my due diligence and I work hard at preparing. Trust me, um, I had somebody, a student, complaining to me that they had to write a research paper. You know, I have a man, it's so hard, 3,500 words, you know, it's like two in a semester. And I'm thinking, wow, that's tough. Two research papers in four months. I write one a week. And, and this is not the kind of research paper that you want to get a D- minus on. Right? I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like the, the teacher is, would, would be kind of really critical if I just threw something out there that was just wrong and maybe even knowingly wrong. Um, so so a, 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 an area of growth for me is to, to trust that when I do the preparation and I do the work and I'm submitting to the Lord that He's going to take what, what's been done and He's just going to put whatever He wants on your heart. And, 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 and I hope that I can, I can get to the point where I can trust Him that much with that part of my life. I'm getting there. But, but it's not just thinking it in your head, because I know that that's true. In my head, I know that that's true. It's the, it's the daily applying that as I live my life. According to Harper's Complete Index, what percentage of Americans who own running shoes do you think don't actually run? 
It's 87%. 87% of Americans who own running shoes don't actually run. I wonder what percentage that is for um, treadmills. Right? We, we have a treadmill. We move it once a month. That's about all the per- exercise it provides. Um, I keep threatening to sell it and somebody, not the same person, says, oh, we don't want to get rid of that. Okay. Then use it, right? I mean, if we're going to own it, we've got to use it. It's a part of that discipline. It's a part of that growing up. It's a part of the, not just knowing that that's a good thing. It's actually doing that thing. Uh, A.W. Tozer said, and this is my last one for the day, we must face the fact that many today are notoriously careless in their living. This attitude finds its way into the church. We have liberty. We have money. We live in comparative luxury. As a result, discipline practically has disappeared. What would a violin solo sound like if the strings on the musician's instrument were all hanging loose, not stretched tight, not disciplined? We need to be disciplined in Christ, Christ in us, living disciplined lives and growing in our relationship and our trust. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that you have given us. Thank you for this reminder that we're going to now celebrate as we close our service, Father. This reminder that, that you gave to the disciples and you said, until you return, we are to do this. We are to take a piece of bread and we are to eat it, representing your body which was broken for us. Recognizing that sacrifice that you made on our behalf for our sin. And Lord, as we take that cup and as we drink it, you said that this represented your blood, your blood that you sac- that you gave all of it, not just a little bit. You sacrificed all of it, your life, as that perfect sacrifice. And when we put our faith and trust in you as our Lord, as Paul says in Romans, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. Lord, thank You for that. Thank You that, that You see us through blood-covered glasses. That as Christ followers who have surrendered, You see us as clean, as new creations. And Father, as we live this life and, and as we now want to grow our physical and emotional and spiritual lives into more mature lives. Help us to submit to you this week in the things that you've spoken to our hearts this morning. That we would be attentive. Maybe it's saying no to some things and saying yes to some other things. Thank you, Lord, for this table that we celebrate. In Jesus' name. Amen. If the servers could come forward as the the basket is passed, you don't have to be a...